This is a Mortarbox Media Podcast. For more podcasts and to learn how we can help you create your own, visit mortarboxmedia.com. This episode of Madison Story Slam and every episode of Madison Story Slam is sponsored by Ale Asylum. This episode is also sponsored by Resolution Health Collaborative. Thanks, Ale Asylum, and thanks, Resolution, for sponsoring the show and believing in what Madison Story Slam does. Welcome once again to Madison Story Slam, the podcast where we feature true stories told from people who tell them. That's weird. Uh, Listen, we've been on break for the last month. We haven't released an episode. I'm sorry for that, but here's the thing. This is sort of a one-man operation here, and every now and then I need a break. So uh, I have enjoyed my time off, but I have also missed putting the show out and seeing you guys and hearing from you on Facebook, uh, Twitter, Instagram, all those places that we can hear from each other and connect with each other. Uh, So if you haven't connected with us on those platforms, you can. Do me a favor right now. Go to Facebook, like the the Madison Story Slam page. Instagram, search for Story Slam Madison. There's only one M, Slam Addison. And uh, we will uh, do things together there. And then also, if you could leave a rating and a review for the show on iTunes or Apple Podcasts app, that would be great. That helps people find the show. The reviews help me know what you like about the show and maybe what you'd like to see different about the show. On today's episode of Madison Story Slam, we are featuring stories from our May 2018 event, and the theme that night was redemption. So we've got a lot of great stories from that night. Um, The last episode that came out that was a Story Slam episode featured some stories from that night. we still got plenty more to go. Uh, So this episode has some great stories from that night. Coming up for us at Madison Story Slam, we are going to do another uh, event at Robinia Courtyard. That is this coming Sunday, July 22nd at 7 p.m. The theme that night is Lost, so be sure to come on out for that. It's going to be outdoors again, and uh, we are taking any money that comes in that night and donating it to the family of Corey Barr. Corey was a firefighter in Sun Prairie, Wisconsin, who lost his life during the uh, horrible explosion that happened there uh, this month. And uh, so, yeah, any money that comes in is going to his family, uh, and we've, we've got that all set up. So please come out, support a good cause, hear some good stories, drink some good beer at Madison Tap, Rubinia Courtyard, and get some good food. Uh, my wife and I love the fries there. Have you had them? If not, you should. All right, like I said, this episode we've got stories from Madison Story Slam Redemption, the May 2018 event, and... Uh, They're good. Let me tell you, guys, we've got the best stories. Our stories are great. Everybody says so. And guys, can you believe we're still under Trump? Anyway, let's not get into that. Enough babbling from me. It's been a while since I've done an intro, but I think I covered everything, all of my bases. And uh, without further ado, here are the stories. Please put your hands together for John DeBacher. I don't know if mine is long and thick or I, I can assure you it's 
it's uplifting. Um, and I, I call this, uh, beauty is in the eyes of the delusional. Um, when I first was driving, I had an awesome car to drive. My mom had a 1971 Chevelle Malibu, silver blue, black vinyl top, 350 V8, you know, not a Hearst shifter or anything like that, which is probably good for my safety and that of innocent bystanders, children, roadside foliage. Um, but I had a lot of fun driving. It was a great car. I think she thought it was for the most part, too. But my mom liked to complain about things, especially my dad. Uh, it had been, you know, the, most of my life, the kind of a rocky marriage. And uh, that's not to say he didn't give her plenty of material. He was um, manic depressive, they called it back then, which I think is much more apropos than the politically correct um, uh, type one bipolar, which sounds like, you know, Arctic regions or something, uh, and, and an alcoholic. Um, so he, he usually had sort of three states he was in that I, I can remember. Either the really high, I know everything, I'm, I can change the world, I, I print money, I spend it like crazy, and scary, manic, or a, a near catatonic, pathetic mope, and then occasionally going into periods of very reasonable dad, businessman, um, spouse, although for the most part uh, pretty much pickled in vodka. Um, so he, he, he always thought he could improve my mom's complaining about him with material things because he, you know, he was good at those, especially in those sort of gliding up stages in, in making money. Um, and he, he, you know, so he'd buy her material things. At thinking that that at work, that was, you know, maybe one of his shortcomings. Um, so my mom also complained about the, the car that she occasionally commented that the brakes were too hard to work. They, they didn't have power brakes. And she had arthri arthritic hips and knees. And so, um, you know, I, it was just, just one of those things. But my dad must have actually listened to her at some point. And uh, I, I can remember this time in uh, 1972, he was probably nearing the, writing the crest, the, the foamy crest of a, a manic wave through the seas of logic and around the shoals of uh, good sense or judgment. And um, I was up in my room, I think, listening to records, whatever I did there as a 16-year-old to avoid family issues and things, and heard this kind of commotion. Again, it was not too unusual. Stuck my head out of my room, and I have a twin sister. My twin sister was already out. It was a split level, kind of looking down into the kitchen where, where they were arguing. Sorry, I, I moved from the microphone. For those of you um, later on the podcast, sorry for uh, any kind of Doppler effect you had just there. Okay. Um, and, you know, it's, what, you, what were you thinking? What, as my mom says, what, what were you thinking? What, what would possess you? He, and he says, well, you said the brakes were hard to work. <laughs> 
I, I drive that car every day. There's nothing wrong with the brakes. I use the brakes just fine. You said the brakes were hard to work and they were hard in your knees and hips. And besides, you said when you take the bonds on those trips south that it, uh, it, it's uh, hard for them to get in and out of the car. And she said, this thing's a two-door also. And, and so we're puzzled. My, my twin sister was more adventurous than I. And she'd already gone down the steps and through the living room and dining room to come out in the breakfast area to look out into the kitchen. And I see her motioning to me. So I follow her, her course. And they're distracted in the kitchen. So, you know, they're still going at it. My, my sister says, look. And there under the, the glow of the garage door opener was this immense yellow, creamy yellow, brown vinyl topped Mercury Monterey. And Liza says, it looks like a banana. I said, yeah, a big banana, which was the car's name from, from pretty much from then on. And oh my gosh, and it was like a banana too, because it had a 400 V8, so it could peel out and uh, I, 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 but I'm wondering what's going to happen with my Chevelle. And I hear it on in the kitchen. Well, besides, Richard needs, this is my older brother, he needs a different car so he doesn't have to drive all the way to Hyde Park in that Volkswagen. He's going to get my Chevelle? What the heck? Well, and, and so my mom's on it. Well, what, what, what's, it's, it's about him then. You talked to him about it, and you didn't talk to me about it or let me have any part of this decision. You don't like to go shopping for cars. Besides, I got a great deal from, from Terry's. It's a demo. A demo? Oh, it's a good deal. That's what it is. And it's, it's not even a four-door. It's a two-door. Well, the doors are bigger. So bigger and heavier. Anyway, uh, you know, it's going on and on. And I'm thinking, whoa, what's... I, I got to go to a play rehearsal that night. I had the the lead in in uh, uh, in Arms in the Man, George Bernard Shaw, and I had to get over to the high school. So I decided I'd insert myself into the situation, try to calm these these wavy waters. And uh, excuse me, can I take the new car to rehearsal, or do I need to take the old car? Um, and and during this, I could I had also heard that he said. Well, and, and she, you know, what, what are you going to do with the, uh, what's he going to do with the Volkswagen again? I'm, they're not going to trade that in at Terry's. Well, I thought Johnny should have a car so he can get to work. Well, this had a little positive effect on me. Maybe not the Malibu, but my own set of wheels. And, you know, the, the little wheels were turning in my brain, but I needed to get to rehearsal. It was that. Mom, mom says, who drives a yellow car anyway? People are going to think I'm a, a taxi driver. He slams his iced tea down on the counter, was probably spiked with vodka, grabs keys from the counter and heads out the door. And Liza and I had retreated a little bit, not up the stairs, but toward them. What's going on now? And we hear, not the big banana, but the Chevelle startup, not his car either. And I go to look out the front door and I see it tear down the driveway and the brakes squeal at the end of the driveway, the brake lights are on. And I think, wait a minute. He gets out of the car and starts up the driveway. Holy cow. I needed to reinsert myself into the situation. Safety be damned. There was theater involved. The show must go on. I ran out the front door, down the hill, stood spread eagle in front of the car with the international 
stop signal, and he came tearing down the driveway in the big banana with its beautiful two-tone horn blaring, slamming on the brakes. What the hell are you doing, he said. I, I said, I need to go to rehearsal. Could I please just have a car? Is that too much to ask? I had him there. Well, he got out of the car. He's a quick thinker, that manic jack. Well, that's what I put it there for. Now, would you move that car so I can get the hell out of here, too? I got to the rehearsal that night, and I don't, I don't remember being a particularly good job, but I do appreciate the theater I was raised with and its effect on me for the long term. Curtains up, light the lights, and let the show begin. Thank you very much. Resolution Therapeutic Massage is now Resolution Health Collaborative. That's right, same great people, same great services, a new great name. Resolution Health Collaborative is an established massage therapy clinic in downtown Madison, Wisconsin, specializing in custom massages. Their therapeutic approach is ideal for student athletes, traveling professionals, top performers, and anyone who needs their body and mind to be at peak condition. The therapists at Resolution will evaluate your muscle response and select the best technique for your tailored massage. Clients often experience relief from acute pain after one session and relief from chronic pain after three sessions. Packages for ongoing support are available at a discounted rate. Head over to resolutionmassage.com to see everything that Resolution Health Collaborative has to offer. Their new address is 345 West Washington Avenue in Madison, Wisconsin, and their phone number is staying the same at 608-443-7048. Call today and schedule your first appointment. Mention Madison Story Slam and get a discount. Thanks, Resolution, for believing in what we do. Our next storyteller just started an, an open mic night in Appleton. She came all the way from Appleton for this. And she heard from one of our regulars, whose name is Meat Man, that she should come to this. So I'm so glad that he was there and, and I'm glad about it all. So please put your hands together for Renee Bisi. Thank you so much. And if you're ever up in the area, it is an open mic called I'm Telling. And it is for spoken word artists and storytelling with an attitude in De Pere, which is right next to Green Bay. So check it out. Redemption. I'm sitting in the hospital one day with a friend getting ordinary blood work done. And when I hear over the loudspeaker, code blue, code blue, fourth floor, fourth floor. Code blue, cold blue, fourth floor, fourth floor. I sat up and paid attention, and I remembered that my children's father was in the hospital on the fourth floor. I felt this movement inside of me, and this voice that I always listened to said, go visit Bob. This voice, you know, the kind of voice that I can refer to as the Holy Spirit, 
I could also call it my higher self or a hair up my ass. <laughs> I don't always know where it comes from, but I do know it is always right. So I told my friend I'd be back in a while, and I shuffled off to the fourth floor, stopped at the nurse's station, and I asked where Robert's room was. In room 424, the door was cracked just a little bit, and I knocked, pushed it open, and there he sat. He was sitting in a chair with his, with his mouth all wound up tight. You see, he had jaw cancer. And I knew that he was dying. His children knew that he was dying. But we didn't have that kind of relationship that we were that close. In fact, it had been probably about 30 years before we sat down and had any kind of conversation at all. He was one of those stories, you know the stories. The mama's baby's daddy stories. He was a drunk, a violent drunk. I was 15, he was 24, yada, yada, yada. You know that story. I don't even need to tell you that part. But in that moment, the only thing I knew is there was a man sitting in the chair with his mouth all closed really tight. And I asked him if I could come in and sit down for a while. He waved me in and I sat next to him. And I asked him how he's doing. I said, Bob, I know how you're doing, but are you okay? So we talked a little bit here and there. It was kind of hard to understand what he was saying. But he communicated back and forth about kind of mundane things. And then he said, I know the kids probably don't want to see me, but will you ask them to come and visit me? I told him I would even though I knew that was a lie. The kids and I had already talked about, do you want to see your father? And they said they didn't. They'd really hoped all these years that he would come find them, and he never did. See, he was this socially awkward, beyond awkward man. He just missed these big clues somehow. They called him a stealer, a betrayer, they called him a drunk, a good-for-nothing man, never held a job, didn't really know too many people. But when I sat with him on that day, I saw him through a different lens, and I started to listen to the way his brain clicked, and I started to see him differently. All of those easy judgments on top just weren't true. He really couldn't couldn't connect. And then he said, Renee, will you do me a favor? And in that moment, all of a sudden, my stomach took a whirl, my heart flipped all the way around, and it occurred to me, oh my God, this man might be asking for my forgiveness. Holy shit! It never occurred to me that he might want to apologize. I just was called to go to his room, so I did. I'm reeling inside thinking, holy man, I'm not prepared for that. What if he says, I'm sorry I violated you. I'm so sorry that I was violent with you. I'm really, please forgive me for being a completely incompetent boob as a father. I'm sorry I never helped you out financially. 
I'm sorry I made your life a wreck with taking you to court all the time with a whole bunch of lies. He said, Renee, will you do me a favor? I said, sure, Bob, what do you need? He picked up the, the slate that he was writing on, a little erase board, and his black pen, and he said, will you clean my slate for me? I almost laughed because inside I'm turning and reeling, and he just had a simple request. I said, you betcha, Bob. I'll clean it for you. I picked up the slate. I walked to the bathroom. As I'm cleaning it off with such great detail, I was going to give him this perfectly clean slate back. I even went around the edges. You know, when you write with a, an erase marker, it makes these little flecks, and then when you touch the edges, it gets all over your fingers, and I didn't want that for him. I didn't want him to have dirty fingers on his last days. And as I'm cleaning the slate off, I look in the mirror and there's these tears rolling down my face. I don't even know where they came from. And I realized what he asked of me. He said, Renee, will you clean my slate? <sighs> I took it back to him. I wished him well. I told him he was a dear, dear, loved person. I gave him his clean slate, and I walked away. Thank you, Renee. Our next storyteller has told a couple of stories here at Madison Story Slam, and they've all been good. They've both been good. That's the right phrasing. So please put your hands together for Margaret Keppel. It is really hot here. <laughs> I'm sweating my balls off. Um, so this one threw me kind of through a loop here, uh, according to Google Redemption, is being saved from sin, evil, or error. So I'm going to go with the third option on my story here. Um, yeah, hang, it, hang in with me, please. So I went to Northwestern for college. Don't hate me too much, uh, Madison. But uh, I was in the marching band because I'm real, real cool. And I played the tenor sax, and I was also in a uh, music sorority there. And a lot of marching band girls were in that sorority. And there was also a music fraternity there. So a lot of the marching band guys were in the music fraternity. And it was all a very incestuous situation where you knew everybody who knew everybody who knew everybody. And there was this guy there. Please forgive me if you ever listen to this, but also you know why I'm doing this to you. Um, there was a guy there named Andrew Paulson. And uh, we had many, many Andrews, probably seven or eight. So all the Andrews got called their last name so everyone could tell them apart. So Paulson was a year older than me. Um, I graduated in 2014, he graduated in 2013, he played the clarinet. Um, and I don't think I ever spoke two words to him while I was in college, ever. We were in the same room because we were in the same, you know, thing. I don't think I ever spoke to him. And all I ever heard was, um, yeah, he's lost his virginity to Jessica, like, yesterday, and he was, like, 22. Literally, who gives a shit at all, but whatever. Um, and he's kind of weird. And that's all I ever heard, and I didn't really give a shit about this or that or the other thing. 
so I graduated, never really spoke to him. A mutual friend got married. Halloween 2015 in Kansas City. I wouldn't recommend going there. Sorry if you're from there. I'm not really a fan. Uh, so, but I, f I fly out there. Um, I was Audrey Hepburn as my costume. We were all instructed to go in costume. He didn't go in costume because he's weird. Um, but I had, I've had two foot surgeries, for any of those of you who know what a bunion is. Um, I had double bunionectomies on both of my feet. May was the right foot. December was the left foot. As you all know, Halloween is right in between the two of them. So I'd had this one done. I hadn't had this one done. If you've never had mismatched feet before, it's weird and not conducive to dancing or weddings or fun. So I go to this wedding. Uh, it's the Friday night before the wedding, obviously. And I show up and I'm like, yeah, wedding. I get out of my life for a weekend, even if it is Kansas City. Um, and I walk in and I am there and Paulson is there and we are the only two people without dates. And I say, hooray. So we end up talking, much to my chagrin, but I had to pass the time some way. It turns out it's not actually that bad to talk to, okay? Um, you know, I, clearly, if any of you have heard any of my other stories, I could talk to a wall, and I could probably sell it its own shoes. So I was like, you know, I'll probably just talk to this guy for a while. That's fine. So I talked to him, and it was fine. He kept trying to dance with me. I'm like, yo, foot, bum, old, no dance for Margaret. Um, and then at the end of the night, he's like, hey, so, like, you're, like, really great, and um, I want to keep talking to you. And I'm like, okay, man, I mean, you live in Salt Lake City, not a Mormon, and I live in Milwaukee, also not a Mormon. Um, I don't know when we would hang out, and he's like, but I just want to talk to you. And I was like, okay, sure, man. So I did the whole thing where I gave him my phone, and I'm like, yeah, put your number in there. Ladies, you probably know what this is about. And then you just never text them your number, and then it all works itself out naturally. <laughs> However, this cunning bitch knew what that was about, and he texted himself from my phone before I was able to get it back. And I'm like, well, that's just great, isn't it? So he gives me my phone back, and I'm like, what have I done? Um, so over the course of the next year and a half... This guy, he didn't blow me up or anything. He, he played it real cool, real cool. Kudos to you guys who know how to play it real cool, but we know you're playing it real cool, so like, don't even act like we don't know that. So every you know, month or two, he'd be like, hey, like, thought of you, thought of this band, thought you'd like it, yeah, real great, woo. And I'm like, mm-hmm. <laughs> I live in Milwaukee, remember? So um, January 2017 rolls around, and he texts me and says, hey, what are you doing May 1st through the 5th? And I said, I don't know, why? And he says, well, the company I work for gave me an award. And because I was given an award, I get a free trip to Spain with a guest. And I said, really? Because I like Europe. I've been there multiple times. For those of you who heard me talk before, I've been to France multiple times um, since I was a kid. So I'm very familiar with traveling. I kind of grew up traveling, and it's really familiar to me. Uh, he taught English in China for a year. So I made assumptions about him, which ended up <laughs> being false. But anyway, so I was like, oh, European travel, huh? Free, you say? <laughs> I'm not doing anything May 1st through the 5th. 
And he's, I was in grad school at the time, and I taught classes, and I immediately was like, hey, man, you're going to take my fucking classes because I'm going to Europe. <laughs> Goodbye. Of the, like, three people I told I was going because I didn't tell a soul. I told no one. I told no one from college. I'm surprised I told my mom, honestly. Uh, and I instructed him to do so or I would cut his balls off in his sleep. I was like, you don't tell us, anyone from college that we're going on this trip, you understand me? No one, not a soul. I'll cut your balls off in your sleep. And he's like, oh. So he's like, hey, so since we're going, we should just pick up both weekends. Like the Friday you know, to the Sunday and then the, the Friday to the Sunday. So we make it 10 days. And if those of you who've traveled to Europe before, it's a eight or nine hour flight. And I don't like taking eight or nine hour flights for three days worth of touristy crap. So I said, hell yeah, that sounds great. And he's like, oh, we'll just have to pay the difference. And I'm like, okay, cool. His company just paid for the ticket. And I'm like, okay. They flew me out of Chicago and they flew him out of Salt Lake. It's like a totally different airport and everything and they just paid for the ticket. I was like, man, this could not be any more cherry. But, ladies in the audience, I'm sure you're like, hmm. Free trip to Europe, huh? Free <laughs> trip to Europe. And I sat there and I said, Margaret, champ, probably shitty sex, free trip to Europe. What are you gonna do? What are you gonna do, kid? What are you gonna do? And I said, Margaret, you capitalist son of a bitch, you're gonna go to Europe. <laughs> so my capitalist ass hops on a plane and flies to Madrid where we spent the first three days. Now, mistake number one was letting him book all of the accommodations. Turns out he doesn't speak a goddamn word of Spanish, which is great. Um, I speak English and French, so I uh, hop along Cassidy at our whole trip. Uh, so he booked a hostel, and then we stayed in a fancy-ass hotel for the work-paid portion, and then we stayed in Airbnb for the last part, okay? So Madrid, and for those of you who know me personally, which is almost no one in this room, you kind of do. I may seem like a very aggressive person, but when it comes to this sort of thing, I'm like, you're on your own, fam. You're going to invite a girl you barely know to a European country to try to get some? You're going to work really hard to get it. So I basically stood five feet minimum away from him at all times and just kind of waited around for him to pay for things, which was pretty great. So... <laughs> We went to the oldest restaurant in known existence, which is in Madrid. Apparently, Hemingway liked it there. Uh, mariachi band played the whole shebang, total full, full service, whatever. It was fine. Um, also, fun fact, every place we stayed had only one bed. What a strange accommodational, you know, snafu that would be. So nothing happened in Madrid. We hop on a plane, we fly to Barcelona, we meet all of his work pals. Okay, and I was like, okay, dude, so uh, I don't like PDA. I don't like being touched in public. Don't touch me, ever. Don't touch me. Don't sloth up to me while we're sleeping, which he did anyway, and I absolutely hate that. And don't tell anyone I'm your girlfriend, because I'm not. Don't tell anyone I'm anything, in fact. Just say, this is Margaret over there, because she won't come anywhere near me. And... <laughs> She's all right. I brought her with me. She's not a Mormon and neither am I. We're not married, which is a thing that got repeated a lot while we were there. So we go to this cocktail mingling thing the first night we're there. And what the fuck does he do? Just guess. Comes up right behind me with the whole, this is Margaret. 
And I'm like, ooh, you're gonna pay. <laughs> you're gonna pay, motherfucker. He's all, oh, he's basically a part of my body. I think it was this side. And he was on me all week long. And I was like, you signed up for this, kid. You're gonna deal with it. And I did. And I made friends with every goddamn person on that trip. His boss, his boss's wife, which is arguably more important than his boss, and everyone else. And I charmed them. And I made friends with the wall. And I sold the wall its shoes. And I did the whole Margaret shebang. Um, a, we did have sex. B, it was mediocre. C, I didn't really care. So Wednesday, we took a boat tour. Um, and this was one of those companies that's like a corporate, it makes corporate trips. So they hired like a corporate trip planning company to do this thing. And they always fuck up one thing, and this was the thing they fucked up. Uh, the boat tour was only supposed to be about an hour, and it was like three and a half. Now, for those of you who like boats, just imagine being on a boat for three and a half hours when you thought you were going to be on for one, and everyone has like motion sickness. And it was one of those cloudy, damp, like clammy days where the sun isn't out, but you get sunburned anyway. So like people also got sunstroke without the sun, it was fucked up. So anyway, we get to the place and I'm starting to feel not great. <laughs> I'm like, oh man, it's probably that boat though. You know, it's probably the boat. So I sleep in the night, I wake up the next morning and I'm drenched in sweat. And I'm like, well, this isn't ideal. Uh, I feel my head and you know when you feel your head and you're sick and it's really hot? I felt my head and it was like inhuman. Like I put my hand on like a stove top I was like, oh, a human shouldn't feel like that. Like, <laughs> that's messed up. I don't know if any of you have ever had like really severe fevers. Has anyone ever had a fever that bad where you're like, oh. So you touch your own head and you're like, oh my God. So I touched my head and I was like, oh, that's not good. Um, so we make our way. Um, I feel like I'm probably running out of time, so I'm gonna try to hurry it up. Uh, anyway, so that night we go to this dinner and I had to sit through the dinner and I, I think I sweat into my food um, but I'm sitting there cutting my food and putting it in my mouth, and I'm literally sweating in, into my food. And there's a picture of us. There's one picture that exists. I didn't allow him to use social media while we were there. Um, but I sweated all the way down to my uh, love handles, like soaked my clothes. So that night I go home, and he's like, I'm going to go out and party. And I was like, I'm not. Uh, I go back to the hotel room, and I was hallucinating from fever. And I managed, long story short, to break my own fever. I tucked a comforter in around my body and I breathed in hot air to convince my brain that I was breathing in hot air so it would stop rigorously shaking. If any of you have had rigors, they're kind of like seizures, except you have the flu. So I'm sitting there and I remember breathing and just saying, please stop, please stop, please stop, over and over again in the fetal position. So eventually the rigor stopped. Um, he comes back and I'm like, weak. I was like, I can't speak any louder than this, but if you touch me, I'm gonna kill you. <laughs> and he didn't touch me. So for the rest of the trip, I managed to get a little bit better. I kind of looked like a corpse, and I acted like a corpse. We get to the Airbnb, this poor couple was so nice. <laughs> they were so nice, but I was so sick. And the last day we're there, I'm wrapping this up, if anyone wants to hear the details of this end part, but we flew from Barcelona to Paris and then Paris back to America. His flight was at 10 a.m., mine was at 4 p.m. I could barely function. I hadn't eaten in days. I ended up losing 12 pounds in four days. Pretty sure I had salmonella. Just saying, just self-diagnosed. Uh, I didn't eat right for three weeks after that. 
Uh, but we were on, and the day we flew out of Paris, it was the second round of the French presidential election. So all the terminals were on intense lockdown, like security. The pharmacy was in a different terminal, um, and we got on the wrong bus multiple times. We finally got on the right bus. I was sitting here, he was standing over there, and we got to his terminal, and he looked at me, and I looked at him, and he was about to step over to say goodbye to me and kiss me, and I just went like this. And he stopped in his tracks, and I continued to do this. And I put my hand back down. He turned and got off the bus. And I didn't see him until six months later. And he ran up to me drunk at a bar, kissed me on the cheek, and I slapped him across the face open-handedly. And he sent me a letter months later apologizing, and then I never answered him. Redemption, where was it? Um, probably in the fact that I almost died so I wouldn't have to have mediocre sex in exchange for a free trip to Europe. You know, that did save me from an error. And if that's the definition of redemption, then so be it. Thank you. That's going to do it for us today here on Madison Story Slam. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you had as much fun as I have had doing the show for you. Hey, once again, on Sunday, July 22nd, that is this coming weekend, if you're hearing this the day it comes out, we are doing our next outdoor story slam. The theme is Lost, and we're going to be at Robinia Courtyard, Madison Tap, here in Madison, Wisconsin. That is on the 300 block of East Washington Avenue. So there's plenty of parking, plenty of space. Come hoping to hear some great stories and come knowing that any money you spend with Madison Story Slam that night, whether it be our merch or whatever, all of that money is going to go to the family of Corey Barr, the firefighter from Sun Prairie, Wisconsin, who lost his life during the explosions that happened there this month. And I know that Robinia is also doing some contributions. Some of the stuff they'll be selling will put those funds towards the family as well. So, you know, part of being a community is taking care of other communities as well. So I'm happy to do that with Madison Story Slam. I hope you are too. And as always, I love you.